I'm Andy Cassette. And I'm Jesse Prey. And this is a Love Murder Quickie. All right, everybody, welcome back to Cocktoberfest. Yes, it's time for another Cocktoberfest quickie, which is a fun short episode where Andy and I read each other stories of cheaters who get revenge. Sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's murderous. These Cocktoberfest shows are so much fun, but for anyone wondering, we will have our regular episode just like normal on Wednesday. Yes, absolutely. Obviously, we are two girls who really, really like Halloween because I am planning two very special kind of Halloween-y episodes for the last two episodes in October. They are definitely the spookiest, creepiest, gnarliest stories I have ever found. Between the two last episodes, we're going to have human sacrifice, cannibalism, and the necrophilia story to end all necrophilia stories. Woof. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a horror story. So it'll fit right in uh, for the last two weeks of October. But saying all that and getting you guys all teased up for our full lengthers, let's do some quickies right now. So I think I'm first. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I'm really excited about the story, guys. I actually had originally planned doing something a little bit different, maybe not doing murdery ones because so far Andy's done like the fun non-murdery ones and I've done the really murdery ones. But I found this case actually while I was researching our last full-length Celeste Beard, which if you have not heard yet, stop, pause this quickie. Go back and listen to Celeste because A, it's a fantastic story, but B, it'll make this quickie just all the more interesting for you. All right. So I'm going to tell you this story. It's another good old Texas story in two parts. I have two articles. The first one is going to explain what was happening right around the trial before a verdict came in. And then the second one is our more recent update about what is going on with the people in the story. Okay. So this is from the New York Times in February 13th, 2003. It's called Trial and Killing of Orthodontist Goes to Jury by Nick Madigan. Summing up the state's case against a woman accused of killing her unfaithful husband by running him over with her car, (laughs) a prosecutor suggested today that the defendant might have chosen a different path. Divorce. Oh, Um, my God. This is what we always say. You can always choose divorce. Oh, these people. Uh Uh-huh. If the man is cheating on you, you do what every other woman in this county does. You take him to the cleaners, Assistant District Attorney Mia Magnus said in the murder trial of Clara Harris. You don't get to kill him. Truth. Truth. ADA Mia Magnus. Today, after a a two-and-a-half-week trial, the case against Dr. Harris, a dentist who was a partner with her orthodontist husband, David Harris, 44, in six dental practices. Wow, that's a lot. My dad has one. Six is a lot. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of money. 
That is. That's a <laughs> franchise there. Um, was handed off to a jury of nine women and three men. They were asked to consider four possible outcomes that she be found guilty of either murder, manslaughter, or criminally negligent homicide, or that she be set free. Dr. Harris was accused of deliberately running over her husband with her Mercedes-Benz last July 24th at the Nassau Bay Hilton, where she had discovered him with his mistress, a 39-year-old former receptionist in one of his offices. Oh, no. Uh-huh. So she knew the other woman. Also, I read on Wikipedia, because I checked out the case there too, that this hotel, the one where she discovered him with his mistress was the same hotel they got married at Oof! oh that poor salt in the wound it really does i remember once i had a party at my house and i caught one of my friends with my ex-boyfriend and we were already broken up this was like i came home from college or something and they were hooking up in the same place i lost my virginity to him (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> and even though we were broken up, I was so mad. I like threw a beer can at them and made them leave. Um, so I feel like that's the same thing, right? This is the same same situation. Totally. Just you didn't get incensed enough to run him over with your car. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. And I wasn't even with him anymore, so I shouldn't have cared. It was just like there of all places. Really? <laughs> oh, God. The hot hookup spot at the praise, apparently. Anyway. Back to the story. In his closing argument, George Parnham, the defense lawyer, contended that Dr. Harris, 45, was distraught after a week-long series of humiliations, beginning with her husband's admission of the affair, but that she meant no harm to him and continued to love him. Mr. Parnham said David Harris had subjected his wife, a former beauty queen, to a detailed comparison between her and his lover, Gail Bridges. Ooh. Oh, dude, not the way to go about this. He said that Dr. Harris, in an effort to regain her husband's love and fidelity, had hired a fitness trainer and signed up for breast enhancement surgery, had dyed her chestnut hair blonde, gone several times to a tanning salon, and bought new clothes. Oh, man. Don't do yourself up, girl. Throw the whole man out. He's the one who needs to go. (laughs) It sounds very 2003. It, it is very 2003 going to the tanning salon. Do you think Nothing she got says, one of those like Playboy Bunny stickers that like? Oh God, do you remember those? Oh Did yeah, you sell those there. You put it on your like hip. Oh, if you guys are too young to remember this, it was a, literally they would sell <laughs> stickers, especially like a Playboy Bunny one that you would put in the same spot every time, so it would be a pale tattoo mark. Tattoo on your baked, fake baked skin. Oh my god! So they could see how you could see how committed you were to the tanning salon. You could see how mm-hmm. tan I'm, you got. Did there. you ever go tanning? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I did too. All and, the time. Um, my mom took those me. little, those little tiny glasses that you had to wear. <laughs> oh god! Oh, I can't believe we look as good as we do. Not to toot our own horns, but we should look like leather right now. 
Okay. Okay. So Mr. Parnum, that's the defense attorney, made Ms. Bridges the villain, calling her a homewrecker who enticed and seduced him into a relationship that shouldn't have happened. Mr. Parnum said his client had hired a private detective to track her husband and his lover so that she could prove that Ms. Bridges was after David Harris's bunny. So I usually really, really hate it when they, like, try to make the affair partner, like, the woman the villain. Like, it's always the responsibility of the person in the relationship to not have another relationship. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I can kind of understand how the defense attorney couldn't really make him look bad because he's the victim. Yeah, it's there's a weird double-edged sword with this one. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they make him look bad, it could be a, put a totally bad taste in the jury's mouth because he ended up dead. Yep. There's no yeah, one so else to really pin one. it on. No, you kind of have to pin it on her. And I guess she did know if she worked for a couple, like she worked for them. Obviously, she knew yeah, they were married. She knew. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. Usually, I'm like, don't blame the extra person. But in this case, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, the white-maned defense lawyer, a man of quiet, professorial demeanor with a tendency to forget names and wander off the point, said David Harris fell victim to the frailty of humanity and made some bad choices. I'll say. Come on, they're kind of letting this guy scot free here. His wife, meanwhile, having been the last in her husband's office to hear about the affair, fired Ms. Bridges. What wife would do otherwise, Mr. Parnham asked, a question he repeated several times in his summation. Concerned about her husband's pattern of deception, she tried to track him down on July 24th to make sure he was breaking up with Ms. Bridges, as he had promised the defense lawyer. With her in the car was her 16-year-old stepdaughter, Lindsay, David Harris's daughter by his first marriage. So she took his daughter with her. What did her daughter say? His well, daughter. Well, daughter was... His daughter was mad at her dad, but I'm pretty sure she didn't want him killed. Yikes. Do you think for one moment that Clara Harris intended to kill her husband? Would she have had her stepdaughter in the car, Mr. Parnum asked the jury? Never, never. Dr. Harris, he conceded, was upset after seeing her husband and Ms. Bridges emerging from the hotel elevator hand in hand. But Mr. Parnum insisted, as he had throughout the trial, that the victim's death a few minutes later was the result of an accident. His client, he said, intended only to smash into Ms. Bridges' parked Lincoln Navigator and did not see her husband standing next to it, ushering his lover into the driver's seat. Okay, that's BS. There's no way she didn't see him. Come on. You just like run into him and you're like, oops. And then you run into him again and you're like, oops. That's exactly what happened. But during the trial, several witnesses testified that Dr. Harris had circled the parking lot as many as three times, running over her husband's body each time. (sighs) Oh, girl. That is brutal. That is brutal. Their testimony was central to the prosecution's case since it supported a medical examiner's opinion that markings on David Harris's body showed the Mercedes passing over it at least twice. Once when he was face up, once face down. In addition, the undercarriage of the car showed evidence of two passes, the prosecutor said, primarily in the way oil and dirt was wiped off and blood left behind. Gross. Oh, God. Okay, this this guy was dirty, but this is bad. No one deserves to go like this. I mean, the prosecutor is right, girl. Like, oh. you can... He didn't do a good thing, but you could just divorce him. I feel like she would have been so much better off just divorcing him. 
my god, she would have made a ton of money if they didn't but have she, a cleanup. She must have been miserable. You know what I mean? She must have just been. I think she was just briefly psychotic. I think she was you just do. driven to madness. Yeah. Ms. Magnus, that's the prosecutor, in her summation, recalled one witness's testimony that Dr. Harris had stopped the car and rushed to her husband's prone body. David, she was said to have cried out, do you see what you made me do? With that quote, Ms. Magnus tried to show that Dr. Harris was conscious of her actions and not in some irrational fog, as the defense had contended. Mm -hmm. The prosecutor reminded jurors that Lindsay Harris had quoted her stepmother as saying, I'm going to hit him as the car raced towards David Harris. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, this poor girl's in the car while her stepmother murders her father. Yep. Uh, the theory that it was an accident had been all picked apart, said Ms. Magnus, who acknowledged that David Harris's affair caused his wife pain and that the jury probably sympathized with her. No one has suggested that she went to that hotel with the intention of killing, the prosecutor said. She acted on her anger and frustration, and a man is dead because of it. Pointing towards the defendant, whose sentence could range in severity from probation to life if she is convicted of murder, Ms. Magnus said that all of Dr. Harris's efforts to separate her husband from Ms. Bridges seemed not to be working. So she used what she had, and that was her car, Ms. Magnus said. When you run over a person again and again and again, your intent is to hurt him. Your intent is to kill him. It was time, the prosecutor said, for you to call her what she is. And that is a murderer. Where did Gail go? Was she just like running for her life? I guess so. She probably got in the car because it said that he was escorting her to her the driver's seat. He probably like hasn't opened the car door for his wife in like 30 years or something. And that just pissed her off more. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Also, I just, I, I feel like. This is definitely murder. It doesn't matter that she snapped. No. But it definitely wasn't planned. She did have her stepdaughter with her, and it was in broad daylight in a parking lot of a, a Hilton. Like there's, yeah, so there's what? Tons like second-degree second murder? Yeah, I would say so. So let's, let's see what she got, okay? Okay. All right. So this is an update from May 11th, 2018. So Whoa, very recent. Years. 15 years later, kids. Also, she was sentenced on Valentine's Day. Yikes. So Clara Harris, who killed cheating husband with her Mercedes, has been released from prison. Originally sentenced to 20 years for first degree murder, the former Houston dentist has been paroled. Wow. Uh-huh. On Friday, one of Texas's most notorious killers... Clara Harris. Oh, and this is from Texas Monthly, written by Skip Hollinsworth, who's actually a fantastic true crime writer. And I think he has a podcast out too. I haven't listened to it, but I know he does great true crime work. Anyway, okay, so this is his article. On Friday, one of Texas's most notorious killers, Clara Harris, was released from prison. 16 years ago, Clara was a pretty and personable dentist who lived in a prosperous South Houston suburb with her husband, David, an orthodontist, and their twin three-year-old sons. On July 22, 2002, she got into her silver S-Class 430 Mercedes-Benz and drove to the Nassau Bay Hilton across the highway from the Johnson Space Center. Accompanying her was David's 16-year-old daughter from a previous marriage, Lindsay, who was visiting from Ohio where she lived with her mother. Yikes, what a bad time for a visit. 
Yeah. Clara and Lindsay walked into the lobby just as David and his office receptionist, Gail Bridges, were emerging from an elevator. Days earlier, David had admitted to Clara that he and Gail had been having an affair and he had promised Clara that he would end it. Obviously, he hadn't. Clara, who had been tipped off to David's whereabouts by a private investigator she had hired, went berserk. She lunged at Gail, slapped her, grabbed her shirt, and tore it off, all while screaming, You bitch, he's my husband. At the same time, Lindsay began hitting her father with her purse, shouting, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. <laughs> this, is, this one's giving us a little bit more in depth on what yeah, happened here. Yeah. Eventually, Clara and Lindsay stormed back to the Mercedes. They saw David and Gail heading to Gail's SUV in a different part of the parking lot. Clara suddenly gunned the engine and raced toward them. The Mercedes glanced off of Gail's SUV and hit David before he could get out of the way, propelling him 25 feet across the lot. Holy Holy shit. shit. Oh my god. Lindsay opened the door and stuck her feet on the ground as if she was attempting to escape, according to witnesses who then saw Clara whip the car around, hit the accelerator again, and drive over her husband's crumpled body a second time. Then she did another 180 and ran over him a third time. Yikes. Yikes. Yikes, for real. When Clara finally stopped the car, she got out, looked around, walked toward her dead husband, cradled him in her arms, and begged him to breathe. I'm so sorry, she was heard saying over and over again. David, I'm so sorry. The murder made headlines all around the world. One of the English tabloids nicknamed Clara the Driller Killer. (laughs) She's a dentist. Oh, God. In Houston, it was the story of the year. Local radio talk shows were jammed with callers debating whether Clara was a cold-blooded murderer or a good woman who simply did what every woman secretly wants to do when she finds out her husband is cheating. I wrote a long article about her titled Suburban Madness for Texas Monthly. When I went to her first court appearance, nearly a dozen photographers were there to capture her every move. Clara, a reporter shouted, do you miss David? At her trial in February 2003, she testified before a packed courtroom that she did not mean to kill her husband, but was only trying to wreck Gail's SUV. In the heat of the moment, she went on to say she didn't even know she had run over David. Prosecutors, however, went after her, saying she knew exactly what she was doing in that Hilton parking lot. Their most devastating witness was David Harris's teenage daughter, Lindsay, who testified that a week earlier her stepmother had told her, with all he's done to me, I could kill him and get away with it. How? Doesn't look like you got away with it, girl. Doesn't look like it. (laughs) And that would speak to premeditation then. Yep. On the night of the killing, she said Clara stepped on the accelerator and went straight for him, saying moments before impact, I'm going to kill him. Nevertheless, Clara's attorneys persuaded the jurors that Clara had acted under sudden passion rather than with intent to kill, and they gave her a 20-year sentence. While the sentence for intentional murder in Texas is five years to life, murder in sudden passion carries a minimum penalty of just two years with a maximum of 20. Yeah. We haven't done a lot of passion cases. No. Surprising for a show that's all about crimes of passion that we haven't had a lot of passion cases. I think, I feel like it's one of those wild cards. Like they don't pull it out all the time. Yeah, we've definitely had people try like temporary insanity a couple times. Yeah. (laughs) Staring at a photo of her twin boys, Clara bowed her head, her dark brown eyes brimming with tears, and then was escorted away. Her sons went to live with another couple who had been close friends with Clara and David. 
Over the years, there were occasional stories in the media about Clara. In 2005, Oprah arrived at the prison in the town of Gatesville near Waco, where Clara was incarcerated to interview her for her talk shows. In 2007, Clara was brought back to Houston for a civil trial to defend herself in a wrongful death lawsuit filed by David's parents. This time, a jury had little sympathy for Clara's story, and it ordered her to pay $3.75 million in damages. Wow. Yeah. Around Houston, she became a pop culture reference. I'm thinking about pulling a Clara Harris, a woman would say with a laugh after learning her husband had done something really stupid. (laughs) What very few people knew was that Clara was a model prisoner. As part of a prison program, she learned Braille and worked several hours a day translating school textbooks into Braille. Wow. So this is where she met Celeste Beard. They both did this program. At the the Braille program? Yep, so they both did the same Braille program at the same prison, and they bonded over being mothers of twins and having highly publicized cases. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh, I guess they were besties, which does not speak very highly of Clara Harris, in my opinion. No, it does not. Now I think she's a stone-cold murderer if she's friends with Celeste. Yeah, (laughs) but I guess, like, you, it's kind of slim pickings, right? It is. I mean, I guess once you're all in there, you're like, eh, we all killed somebody, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're all convicted criminals. Yeah. It's like, wait, you murdered your husband? I murdered my husband. You have twins? I have twins. And it's like the whole world is in common. Yeah. You drive a Mercedes? I killed my husband with a Mercedes. It's like they would be, be of course they're best friends this yeah. makes perfect sense so what's more she didn't violate any prison rules Clara's goal was to get paroled so she could be reunited with her sons Emily DeToto one of her original defense attorneys told me every waking moment she thought about those boys and she was not going to do anything to jeopardize her chance of getting parole so she could someday be with them Clara was first eligible for parole in 2012, but she was turned down. Over the next five years, she was turned down three more times. Apparently, some members of David's family had written letters to the parole board declaring that Clara didn't deserve mercy, that she should serve at least her full 20-year sentence and be released in 2023. But last year, she got a new parole attorney, Kevin Stewie of San Antonio. He came up with a new strategy. At her parole hearing this past October, he brought her two sons who were then 19 years old and attending university in Texas. They said that they had come to the prison every month for the last 15 years without fail to visit their mother. Yes, the twins acknowledged they had lost their father, but at the same time, they had also lost their mother, whom they loved deeply. They were victims twice over, they said. That's so sad. And marked difference from old Celeste who has no contact with her twins yeah yeah those bridges are burned those bridges were very burned in november clara's application for parole was granted and her release date was set for may 11th she was quickly inundated with requests for interviews but she turned all of them down although she knows she can't disappear she is going to do her best to stay out of the public eye all she wants to do is make up for lost time with her boys Clara is now 60 years old and her hair is getting gray. Because she is penniless and legally she still owes her in-laws $3.75 million, she will initially live with a friend, yep, and she will look for a job. According to her lawyer, the company that runs the prison braille program has asked Harris to keep working once she returns to Houston. Because of her criminal record, she can no longer practice dentistry. I wow. think that's a good thing. I don't yeah. think I want a murder dentist. No, you don't. 
No, I don't think so. It's tough enough going to the dentist, <laughs> let alone knowing that your dentist is a convicted murderer. <laughs> she, I guess she could do like a private, like I feel like she should be able to do like a private practice or something like, or a black market practice for like. <laughs> Under the table dentistry. God, our healthcare system is bad enough that there's a demand for that sort of thing. Oh my God. Uh, her friends have told me she is worried that people she meets will realize who she is and back away. It's too bad if they do, said DeToto, who has kept in touch with Harris since her conviction. Yes, she made a horrible 15-minute mistake, but she's a wonderful woman. It's time to forgive her and let her move on. Yeah. Woof. I mean, I agree to a point, but still she killed a guy ruthlessly with her car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why, like, you... Wait anyone with like a good head on their shoulders is always going to weigh the consequences and just count to 10 that's what i tell my toddler (laughs) (laughs) she just really should have taken a moment there yeah for sure maybe eat a snickers you're not you when you're hungry (laughs) no you run someone over a car because you're a murderer yeah exactly (laughs) so that is clara harris sell sellies with our gal celeste over there <laughs> oh my god wow. all right well okay, what do you got for me i've got my sticky situation that i told you about yes i'm very <laughs> excited because there's so many ways a situation can get sticky on love murder um, um and i'm just gonna let you tell it because i don't even want to speculate nope all good so i found this at the daily mail by paul thompson it's for the daily mail online i kind of sub called it hell hath no fury like four wisconsin women scorned oh don't make those cheese heads mad <laughs> Okay. Three women exacted a painful revenge on a cheating husband they discovered had been sleeping with them all at the same time by mm-hmm, by gluing his private parts. Oh, no. <laughs> Is that like super glue or like Elmer's? So Those are two actually, different things. There's, there's – there's contradicting glue stories, so I will I'll okay. get into that. The angry women lured married father Danessa Davis – that's a name yeah Yeah. to a to a motel where they decided to humiliate him the ambush was initially set up by the man's wife tracy hood davis after she discovered that he had been cheating on her with as many as five women tracy then contacted the affairs and they all plotted revenge together oh my god sounds like they should have held him down and got him an std test instead of super gluing his penis well so their initial intention was to just go in and humiliate him But there's a little twist. So I'll just give you an update and I'll go into more details. So police in the U.S. state of Wisconsin are now searching for the scorned wife after she disappeared from the family home. Mr. Davis is recovering after needing hospital treatment for his embarrassing injury when his manhood was glued to his stomach. The attack took – yeah. The attack took place after Therese Zeman, which in this article it says she's 47, but in the New York Post article it says she's 48, of Menasha, lured the husband into a motel in Chilton, Wisconsin with the promise of a massage. The husband <laughs> the, oh God. the husband voluntarily allowed himself to be tied to the bed and blindfolded because he probably thought he was getting some like kinky ass shit going on. Okay? Yeah, and – a happy ending. This is not a happy ending, sir. So the three other the two other women, Wendy and Michelle, then came into the room and I'm pulling oh, a shit. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm pulling a little like side note from New York Post. So they were only meant to confront the man and like humiliate him and, you know, kind of like rough him around a little bit, but nothing too crazy. But Therese had just found her daughter's number in his phone. <gasps> he was sleeping with a mom and a daughter? So I don't think he was, but I think she got really infuriated and she just wanted to like step it up a notch and she wanted him to stay the fuck away from her kids so for sure I would lose my shit yeah so in the court case she says in a quote stupid spur of the moment decision she grabbed nail glue from (gasps) her purse so and in the article in the daily mail it says super glue but it's she she admits that she grabbed the nail glue out of her makeup bag I think um, is nail glue as bad as as super glue though. That seems pretty adhesive. Yeah, I mean, think about like how those like fake nails stay on. I don't think it's yeah. like salon grade nail glue, okay, but it's, it's like the salon. nail glue. Was she, I was just wondering, like, was she a manicurist or something? Because if it was salon grade, that's pretty. Yeah, soft. I mean, it's just like it's a really tender part of no. the one's body. So. Yes. So they, you know, proceed to ask the victim which women he woman he loved more out of the, you know, out of the four of them and who he wanted to grow old with. And then one of them slapped him in the face and taunted him and asked him if he can handle that. And then he was uh, finally released after he started screaming. And the police said that the women fled with his mobile phone, wallet and car. And he told police that Zeman pointed a gun at his head because I think he was embarrassed and like didn't want to admit that. Oh, he didn't that. want to admit that they didn't and have any weapons. He was like, weapons. tie me up. Like, yeah. Douche. He said that they pointed a gun to his head and at his penis before saying, you're lucky they will not let me shoot this. And I think like that's what he claimed. The women did not admit at all anywhere on these two articles to having a gun or a weapon like okay. that. So they um, – corroborated each other's story that there was no gun yeah and then he also claimed though that the that zeman punched him in the face but it was just like a slap but he bruised so he was probably once again embarrassed i mean he seems like a big dick so i wouldn't yeah i mean but still uh, this is crossing the line uh, a little bit this is physical violence he's he's embarrassed that's an embarrassing injury to go to a hotel for or to go to a hospital for for. and then they're like asking you like how this happened and you're like oh i went with a mistress and then my other mistresses came in and I, I, you know, they let me, I, I let them tie me down and blindfold me. Oh like, how you know? did he not think he was in trouble when he first saw women he was cheating on his wife come in the room? Like, how did he, he not didn't get see that? them all together? Tracy okay. just came up to, or um, Therese came up to him and was like, "Do you want a massage? Like, let's meet at our hotel that we always meet at." And then she brought him in, okay. blindfolded okay, him, good. put him on the yeah, bed. Yeah, that's and then what the I thought. But then I was in. like, wait, did he let them tie him up? After he saw them? Because that would be real dumb. So then police issued an arrest warrant for Tracy Hood Davis because they still can't find her even though she created the whole scheme and discovered that she had told the three mistresses that her husband was actually just using them for sex and money. So then there was like a little bit of a, you know, they couldn't find her and the three women were put in jail and it just got really messy. So Zeman told detectives that she met the married man on the internet site Craigslist, which everyone 
There's so many other options now for dating Don't sites. Don't go on Craigslist. Let's yeah. not do Craigslist, okay? No, and, you shouldn't um, even do that to buy your furniture. Don't don't no. find dick on it. Did no. we learn nothing from the Craigslist killer in Boston? Yeah, jeez like, no. Louise. And she paid for the motel room where they met for sex over the past like two months. So she was pretty much footing the bill and he was just going mm-hmm. and getting laid. Um, she said that her married lover was also seeing up to five other women other than his wife. So he was getting around. And one more thing that Therese said that was really interesting was she said her lover had borrowed, in this article it's in pounds, but it's 2,000 pounds, which is roughly anywhere from like three to $4,000 at whatever given time from her before discovering that he was married. So he was like stealing money from them too. So, you know, I was about to say like, how does he work with like all of these women? And it's like, maybe he's just scamming them. Maybe that's his job. Yeah. Yep, it's yeah. a total scam. Wow. So each of the women were charged with false imprisonment. Uh, Zeman had also been charged with sex assault and battery, and all three were eventually released on bail. And then there's a weird little twist at the end. So the prosecutor was Ken Kratz, who I know you haven't seen Making a Murderer, Jesse, but for anyone who has, oh, shit. he okay, was- I haven't seen it, but I'm familiar with the case. That's crazy. It was infuriating because this took place in Wisconsin. It was like near yep. where that happened. And-, yeah, and they like railroaded him, right? The prosecutor? Oh my God, yeah. It, well, yeah. they, so the- Ken Kratz is just like, intolerable to watch when I looked up to see if it was actually him there was a post about like people tweeting about Ken Kratz because apparently he's like one of the like most hated documentary people in all personas yep yeah and they called him some people called him egomaniac um top three most punchable faces at all time (laughs) fame hungry oh boo um okay so Wait, so he was defending one of the women in this? Is that how he came into the story? He was the prosecutor. Oh, he was the prosecutor. Yeah. Okay. And he and he says, quote, certainly we haven't seen this kind of an incident in our county. I I've heard of this kind of thing happening before, but not in Calumet County. <laughs> You've never heard of a super glued penis. All right, sir. Okay, Ken Kratz. So, okay, Ken Kratz. So yeah, so these women were. Did they get women, in trouble for it? Yeah, they got they got off pretty easy though. So Kratz charged the 31 year old wife with disorderly conduct, and she pleaded no contest on Tuesday and was sentenced to probation and community service. She declined to comment before sentencing, and the other women got off with just um, probation and community service as well with, uh, you know, risk to go into jail if they go do anything against their probation. But I'm going to post like the photo of the three women who did the super gluing. I would not mess with them at all (laughs) ever, but there's one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But there's one of them. um, Michelle, she literally is half smiling in her mugshot. It's <laughs> hilarious. So we'll, no regrets. No, it's it's just it's so out there. It's like a movie story. But I just it thought is, it was Je ne rien. Uh, wait, no. How do you say it? Je ne regret rien. I regret yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So these women, um, yeah. I mean, they met. I think they took it a step too far. But like, you know, very original. Very original. Didn't kill anyone didn't go to jail, got, you know, got off. And, you know, my husband was talking. He was like, imagine if it was reversed. Like, imagine if something happened to a woman that a man did, like a man tied a woman up, punched her in the eye, and then, like, 
potentially mutilated her genitals it would not have they would he would not have gotten off no he would not i have to say it's pretty brutal i think that those women got off pretty easy yeah and i think that the moral of today's quickie is that violence is never the answer it's really not. It's really not. Both of these guys were huge scumbags, but they didn't deserve their penis glued, and they certainly didn't deserve to die. No, but like- I think the secondary lesson is to keep it in your pants, guys. Keep it in your fucking pants. That's what I was just going to say. It in, yeah, the moral of the story. We can avoid all of this. No one's going to glue your dick or run over you. No, yeah, communication is key. There's, you know what they said? They said the prosecutor said the alternative to murder is divorce. Also, the alternative to cheating is either breaking up or discussing an open marriage. You have a couple options. Or drinking off. (laughs) There's a a million options out there for you guys. There's different ways relationships can be configured these days. Just be open and honest about you what you want in your life. There's flashlights exist. Like there's so <laughs> many things at your fingertips. The click Literally. of a button. Adamandeve.com. Adamandeve.com. Let's see if we can get them as a sponsor. Adamandeve.com would be a great sponsor oh, for this it's show. It's a great site, you know. It, it, I saved it, so many marriages. It probably has. That's what they used to call like vibrators. They used to call them marital aids. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, on that sexy note, which I think we've gotten comments before, we might be a little too sexual, but we just can't help it, guys. Is that a thing? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, it's the way Andy and I usually talk to each other, and (laughs) you're just witnessing a window into our friendship. So, you know, I think that guys usually have some sort of locker room talk that they're forgiven for, and maybe girls do too, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Ours is a a little more, uh, you know, classy. We'd like to think so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for episode number three. It has been a total blast doing these bonus episodes. Um, And join us for the beginning of our two-part Halloween spooky stories coming up on Wednesday and then we'll see you back here for the final October quickie on Monday thank you for listening bye